0: extend a uh, warm welcome to those who are visiting with us. Uh, you know, and I like to think that you all are here because you want to be here. But I know the truth. I know some of you, your Memorial Day plans fell through. So you have to be here. Uh, but all jokes aside, uh, it really is a great day. I feel like whenever God give us another Sunday to come together, and worship we ought to be grateful Amen. to have air in your lungs right to be above ground already that's uh, a great thing from God and uh this morning I am uh, really uh thankful and excited about the privilege to bring the word of God to you and uh you know the title of my message is uh make every effort and fully believe in these sayings I think it won't be very hard for me to convince you that we live in a society and we are people who believe that action speaks louder than words. You know, we say things like, it's easier said than done, right? You can just mouth it off, but can you do it? We say things like, don't talk about it, which is one of my favorite, but be about it. You know, I remember growing up in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey, And, you know, on the playground, that's the way it was. You know, somebody would step up and make a challenge or would talk a lot about what they can or cannot do. Usually it's what they can do, right? And somebody would step forward and say, well, don't talk about it. Be about it. You know, we say things like sometimes words are just noise. Don't tell me. Show me. What you do speaks loudly that I cannot hear what you say. Or, well done is better than well said. And another one here, one last one here. Actions prove who someone is. Words prove who they want to be. And again, whether or not you fully believe and live by these sayings, we all agree that actions are more powerful than the words we speak. Or if anything, that the words we speak have more weight when the actions or how we live our lives back them up. And this is why I believe, uh, and, and, you know, the truth is, uh, it's not just with us, and I think that comes from God. God knows this about us. And this is why I believe, you know, he didn't just tell us what he expects of us. But he came in the flesh and lived among us to show us how it ought to be done. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, you know, the Bible says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the father full of grace and truth. So again, God could have simply dropped the Bible on our lap. Or he could have somehow allowed the angels to speak exactly what he expects of us. But certainly that's not what he did. He became fleshed, lived a life full of examples and actions to show us exactly what his expectations are and to encourage us as well. You know, going a little further with that, not only does have God done this, but God also... Allow the men and women in Scripture that he uses to help us understand his thoughts, he used their lives to really give power to the message that he's conveying to us. And I I do believe that making every effort is a message that the Apostle Peter's life confirms. You know, when you look through the Gospels, you think about his life, which we'll do in a little bit one of the things that we will clearly see, one of the powerful messages or one of the powerful lessons from his life is that we need to be people that make every effort. So at this time, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll spend most of our time there this morning. But I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. And again, I don't think you need uh, more, much more convincing that our actions are important. But I remember uh, the year is 2004. I was a very young husband. I'd been married for a little over a year at the time. My wife, who uh, has no athletic bones in her body, okay, she came to me and she said, you know what? I think I want to run a a half marathon. And again, young husband, I'm thinking, how do I encourage my wife here? I don't want to say the wrong thing and discourage her, but at the same time, I don't want to see my wife die, okay, (laughs) so I I took the spiritual route, and I went out, I bought her an mp3 player, put some songs in there, again, I think I'm dating myself, right, mp3 players, you guys all know what that is, oh, I still have, okay, great, I don't feel so old, but I got her one of those, put some songs to really help her as she runs, And so she signs up for this half marathon. This, again, was uh, 2004, the fall of 2004. And we drive up to, I believe it was Pennsylvania, where the race is to take place. Now, this is after she had spent several weeks training. And during one of those uh, times out there training, I mean, a group of birds came and just pooped on her. (laughs) So that was sign number one that that may be a bad idea. Then she ran too close to a tree one point, and the leaves brushed against her skin. I was out at a meeting, and I left my phone in the car, so I didn't know what was happening. But I, what ended up happening is that she had an allergic reaction to this. Her face swelled up. She called the amb- ambulance, and who came and picked her up, took her to the, the hospital to treat her. And again, all the poor woman wanted to do is train for a half marathon. <laughs> but all of this stuff is happening. And uh, I remember the day of the race, so we're in Pennsylvania, she runs the half marathon while she's running, and I'm waiting for her. You know, I went to the different checkpoints to check up on her. I think after one, two miles, she's looking good, just running. A little further into the race, she didn't look so good. Then I went near the finish line just to wait for her. I mean, folks are coming in, but is nowhere to be found. And... uh you know, I, I, there was, uh, you guys may know, there's this uh, incredible runner. She had lost her leg, so she has a prosthesis on, on, and she runs, and she's really great. But again, she's running on one leg. She comes through. <laughs> <laughs> then this was close to, uh, you know, 9-11, so there was, in honor of that, one of the firemen, he had his full gear on, <laughs> ran the half marathon in full gear, came through. At this point, I'm concerned. And I'm thinking maybe she did not make it, but lo and behold, here's Shara again. I mean, unrecognizable. I can't. I mean, she's just like transformed at this point, <laughs> running in. And uh, but I tell you the story to say watching her do that inspired me so much, and uh, so much so that I decided, hey, I'm gonna run a half marathon. So I ran. I went and ran three half marathons and ran two full marathons after watching her. But there's a yes, she does. But you know there's there's a way in which we can watch somebody's life or, or a particular instant in somebody's life unfold. Now she could have told me, Pierre, I think you ought to run a marathon. I'd have been like, nah, that's not for me. But just to watch her go through that thing, what it did for me, was incredible. But our actions are extremely important. You know, uh, Peter here, as we uh, get ready to read 2 Peter chapter 1, you know, I want to say a little thing about, a few things about his life that I think really makes the point of what he says in this chapter of 2 Peter. The first thing you you, ought to know is that in the entire Bible, the phrase make every effort is mentioned only nine times. One time in the book of Luke, one time in the book of Romans, one time in Ephesians, and twice in the book of Hebrews. But Peter, in this very short letter, only three, three chapters, he's mentioned it four times. And again, this is something that's really important that's on his heart. You know, when you think about Peter, historians believe that Peter was born around 1 B.C. in the, uh, in, in the town of Bethsaida, which was in Galilee. Scriptures tell us that his father's name was Jonah, right? Because he was the son of Jonah, uh, which is a derivative for the name John. Now, between the age of about 28 to 30, he marries and has children. During that same time period, he moved his family from their hometown to Capernaum. And he did that most likely to make a better living as a fisherman because we know he was a fisherman. We also know that his younger brother, Andrew, and his mother-in-law lived with him in Capernaum. See, Peter's not that much different from you. He had relatives who lived with him as well. And uh, we know having his mother-in-law live with him definitely helped him grow spiritually, <laughs> right? But, you know, we, knowing, knowing clearly what uh, being a fisherman was like back in those days really helped us to understand what kind of person Peter was. You know, most likely, he lit, because he was a fisherman and because that, that, um, that, that uh, job was a very physical and demanding job, Peter most likely was a rough guy. You know, he was a man's man. Uh, as a matter of fact, we know it was Andrew, his younger brother, who introduced him to Jesus because Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. So Peter wasn't really as religious as his brother was. He was probably just trying to make things happen. He was probably very gruff. Uh, Not the best dresser, probably very shabbily dressed, unkempt, probably used vulgar language because this is what fishermen did back in those days. But we get this picture of the kind of man that he was. Now, during the three or so years that Peter physically walked with Jesus, he experienced major spiritual highs and major spiritual lows. That's not very different from us. You know, the Bible describes Peter as an ordinary man. We're ordinary people. A lot of what we're seeing about Peter, again, it's not far from where you and I live and who we are. You know, when you read through the Gospels, here are some highs that Peter, spiritual highs that he experienced. He was uh, the one that honored Jesus' nature as God by calling him Lord after witnessing a very great miracle, right? When Jesus told him to put his net on the other side, he called him Lord. He was one of few witnesses who saw Jesus raise the little girl back from the dead. That's awesome. Through his own initiative, he walked on water with Jesus for a short time. So, a short time, but he got out of the boat and he walked on water for some time. He was the only one out of the 12 who expressed that Jesus was the Son of God. And we know Jesus attributed that to God speaking through Peter. And he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, right? Here's some lows. And the way these things happen in Peter's life, it wasn't like all the highs happened in the beginning and all the lows happened at the end or vice versa, they were kind of like staggered in between, right? You had some highs and lows, highs and lows, all over the place kind of. So some of the lows, in his attempt to walk on water with Jesus, Peter failed because of his lack of faith. And then he always, he and the other apostles always heard of how little their faith, not always, but often would hear from Jesus how little their faith worked. Another law, he attempted to rebuke Jesus and was reprimanded for his worldly thinking. That's a law. And it wasn't because Jesus was necessarily, how dare you rebuke me, Peter? It was really in an analysis of Peter's thinking. What you're thinking is worldly. He rebuked him because of that. Peter emphatically said he would never deny Jesus. But not long after that, he denied ever knowing Jesus three times. Again, highs and lows. And as you read through the New Testament, you learn that Peter continued to experience highs and lows even after Jesus ascended into heaven. You know, he was established as a major leader in the church. He would travel throughout his lifetime going church to church, encouraging the disciples. He was a very important figure In the church. But we also know in the book of Galatians, right? Paul confronted him for acting hypocritically in a situation. So he didn't stop experiencing those lows. So if we were to graph his spiritual growth based on the events of his life, it would be a slanted, jagged line. That's what would represent it. So it would be like this, but jagged. Where he is continually growing, but there are highs and there are lows. There are highs, there are lows, and continue to go. And again, the point of that is that Peter is no different than you and I. We have highs, we have lows. But hopefully we're continuing to grow. And our spirituality, our faith is increasing ever more. So as we pick up here in uh, chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse 3. And I want to use the rest of my time to really point out two different points that Peter makes about how we are to make every effort. But let's read here, starting in verse 3. It says, Peter says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So we stop here. Let me just make the point. You know what Peter is doing here? He's getting ready to talk about how we need to make every effort, but he's setting it up just to say that we can only make every effort because God has set us up. He's set us up in a way where he's given us everything we need to be able to be godly. And that his goal and his desire, not because we're good, but because he is, is so that we can participate in his divine nature. How cool is that? And then at the end there, it talks about we have escaped the corruption. You know, for me, when I think about the stuff I was involved in before becoming a Christian, To have the opportunity to be in God's church around people who are striving to do the same thing that I am. To have the word of God that I can go into it daily and learn about the nature of God and understand how the world really works. It blows my mind. But what we have is an opportunity that we can't miss. And this is what Peter is saying. So he's not talking about human effort, relying on your effort. He's talking about growing in grace, which is what he clearly says at the end of chapter three there. So if I could put it in human terms for you, it's like uh, a football game. You know, I played football for a couple of years back in high school. I broke my thumb where the bone was sticking out the, uh, the skin and all of that. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go quit football, get a part time job and live my life. <laughs> but I love watching football. And one other thing is, you know, one of the most beautiful things about watching a game of football is when the quarterback throws an incredible pass and he puts the ball right there in the receiver's chest, right there. All he has to do is just tuck the baby in. And he gots it. And that's what Peter's saying. God has set us up. And in calling us to make every effort, he's saying don't, don't just let it fall. Make every effort, pull it in. You know, I imagine how devastating it is when you let the ball drop. You know, I have a, a video I want to show us real quickly. Let's take a look at this. That could have been six, but Peterson just dropped it. And Grossman throws, touchdown, no! It was dropped by Cooley. He was all alone. Nobody around them. The ball was in his hands. From the 23. End up. Back Nearly hit by Norman. And wouldn't Josh Norman have loved that moment as he flashed in front of number 13? Tannehill. Shotgun. Tannehill, plenty of time. Tiles up the longback. Tannehill. Separation. Kenny Stills Can't hold. <laughs> there are really some great ones on YouTube. But it, you know, you think about how devastating that is. God sets us up. But if we're not people, we're going to make every effort to just tuck that in. Then we're going to miss out on all of this that God has set up for us. You know, I remember in 2004, when uh, I'm sorry, not four, but 2010, when Shar and I moved from New Jersey to come to, the da- to Texas and be part of the Dallas church here. Neither one of us had jobs as we moved here. Uh, she lost her job to an unfortunate situation. We've always wanted to move back to Texas, so I thought, okay, let me resign from my job, and we'll move here. And, you know, totally walking on faith. We did get advice. But as I, uh, we came here, luckily, you know, our, um, my, my in-laws were willing for us to stay with them for as long as we need to get our, um, our, our foot back on, on track, in which we were able to do that. But I remember the first Sunday I arrived in church, just the amount of people who came to us, invited us to dinner, told us great, how, how happy they were that we were moving here. They wanted us to come over, get to know us better. You know, Don and Shilia, the first day we arrived, they told us how they have a pool in the back of their house, and it will be great for our girls to come and swim there. I mean, how awesome is that? I remember Bev Ozan, you know, she, uh, she knows what I was doing and trying to establish myself in the counseling field. She told me about what she did and gave me information uh, about how to pursue, looking f- pursue work. Norman and Jelanda, You know, I remember Tom and Stacey Zeit, who really helped us spiritually. Because, you know, my thinking was, okay, I've been a disciple for about 15 years. Uh, I, I've led groups. I've done this. I've done that. We've come to relax. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, that's an unspiritual way to, to think. And Tom and Stacy really helped us to understand spiritually that's not that's not doing things the way God wants you to do. But we were surrounded by people. God has set us up to win. And even now we have great friends in Paula and Damon Donato and so many others that God used in those very early years of us coming here to help strengthen us spiritually. So I share that just to say we, we can't take that for granted. You know, I know Ben came up here and he shared about the mission contribution and how, man, we are this close to reaching our goal. It, you know, that's worth celebrating. Here's what's awesome about that. That's a reflection of your hearts. We are, it's, we're a given church. There's a willingness to give and to really meet needs, not just here in Texas, not just in our congregation, but outside of here. This is all things that God is doing, pruning our faith. And strengthening us and building out our hearts to be people like his son. So we ought to definitely, that's worth celebrating. But, you know, we're set up. And as we go into what Peter said, we ought to make every effort about. My encouragement to you is remember that we make every effort because God has set us up. Amen. So let's continue to read here in verse 5. So Peter said, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Into goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, into self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, into mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, think about Peter's life. Think about who he was, how highs and lows, but there's this tenacity to really grow, to go after it. You know, this is really the last letter he wrote before he before he died, uh, according to uh, history, to, to what we have uh, recorded in history. You know, Peter, well, he knew at this point that he was close to to dying because it's, he says so in, on verse fourteen of chapter one. There, that the Lord has told him that. So he and he's writing this book around sixty four A.D. I believe the same year that historians. Suggests that he died, and he's writing this not just to one church but several different churches. So he's giving universal principles on how to grow and how to be, how to live the life that God has called us to. So this applies to all of us. And his first point here is that we make we need to make every effort to add to your faith. How's your faith? Has there been growth from where it was? When you first made the decision that Jesus would be Lord of your life, are you growing? You know, faith is only the beginning. If there isn't a desire to grow in our faith, or as Peter puts it, add to our faith, we will become ineffective and unproductive. How productive and effective do you feel in your life today? How effective do you feel? How productive are you, your faith in God? How effective is that? You know, life doesn't become predictable or fair once you get baptized and become a Christian. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. It just doesn't, does it? We're still expected to respond to the un- unexpected, undesirable, or the un- unfair aspects of life. How are you doing in that stage? I mean, are you at a point where, man, when things are not working out the way you were anticipating that they would work out? Do you have an attitude with God? That's not what I signed up for, God. So therefore, I'm not gonna be. I, I'm not gonna grow. I didn't expect for things to be that way. Therefore, you know what? What do you mean? Get to know the people around me and build spiritual relationships. Things are not working the way I, I, I thought they would what is your what is the attitude when things are not working out the way you expected that they would? you know we have two uh two beautiful girls God has blessed us one's eleven one's seven and uh we we have been doing the best we can to try to get them to fall in love with God and to develop a relationship with him and to pass down our faith to them. That's what we're trying to do and although they're not at that point yet where they need to make that decision, but I realize how devastating it would be for them to decide to walk away and do something different. And I have a, a bigger appreciation for Christians who, man, who've been faithful, uh, who've given their heart to God, given their hearts to other disciples, given their hearts to the lost, and yet their own children or making decisions that are contrary from what God is calling them to do. That's a hard one, a hard pill to swallow. And I, I certainly don't stand up here saying, you, you, you ought to just get over that. I'm not saying that. But I do believe that we ought to realize that God is sovereign. He's still continuing to set us up. And there's still a way in which, you know, we can see that, deal with the devastation that's there, but still trust in God and really live as the followers of his son that he's calling us to be. And then we have people around us who can relate, and we can, in relationships, we can help one another in that way. But we have to add to our faith. When you think about some of the things here Peter is talking about, he says, you know, add to your faith goodness. Another way to, uh, to really translate that from the Greek is moral goodness or moral excellence. Think about it, with all the immorality we have around us, I mean, I think teens, for example, I mean, my hat off to you guys for being Christians in high school. Just the incredible foolishness and the sin all around you. But you imagine, Peter must have had immorality around him as well. And he's basically saying, man, if I don't make moral excellence a goal, I'm going to give in to all of that that's around me. But we've got to add that to our faith. He goes on and he talks about self-control. Just because I know or you know what you ought to do, are you self-controlled to do it? You imagine, same thing with Peter. He must have realized, man, I need to make this a goal so that I can really follow God, follow Jesus the way I, I'm called to do that. He talks about perseverance, Godliness. Mutual affection, love for one another. If we're not making those things goals or things to add to our faith, it's impossible to live the Christian life that way. So if we don't have faith, we need to make every effort to get faith. Because some of us, maybe we're here, we we don't, hey, you don't consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you're studying the Bible. Maybe you're just curious. You've tried everything and you're not sure what's going to work. Peter's message here is, look, get faith. Because if you notice, he started with faith. There's an assumption that there's faith. Add to faith. So you need to make every effort to get faith. And how do you do that? You know, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, first of all, it says, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if you don't have faith this morning, you're already on the wrong end of things. And any desire to please God will be thwarted if there's no faith there. So how do we get faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Very common scripture. We know this well here in this church. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through through the word about Christ. Right? It's from the Bible. It's getting into the Scriptures. This is how we develop faith. Understanding the Bible more. Understanding how God worked in the lives of these men, these women that are in Scriptures, how He worked through history. That helps us to see how He's working in our lives now. And then we can, wow, I can believe in God. I can live the way God is calling me to live. But if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not studying the Bible, faith won't come because that's the way it comes. So how about those of us who have faith? Well, Peter said we need to make every effort to add to that faith. You know, you, you didn't become a Christian or you didn't get baptized to be a church attendee. Right? But that's sometimes, isn't that how we act? Well, I come to church, I show up. But that ain't the goal. The goal is to Grow. And Peter's saying, yes, God has forgiven you of your sins. Why? So the wall of sins can be removed so that you can have a relationship with him. So now you can walk with him. You can live as he's calling you to live. So add to your faith. It's just the beginning, guys. You know, one of the things I, I, I realized uh, really quickly, you know, on this note of the fact that we need to add to our faith, you know, there are times we find ourselves in hopeless situations in our lives where you just feel hopeless. It's like, man, I, God, I'm doing everything I can, but the feeling I feel right now is hopelessness. Yeah. And I think about what Peter said there. He said, look, you've got you've to also add perseverance in there. Yeah. And look in Romans chapter 5, it says, in verse 3 to 4, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffer, suffering produces perseverance perseverance, character, and character, hope. So if we don't persevere, character doesn't change, and we can't see beyond our circumstances. That's the whole point there. I mean, there are things, there are times where I've been in my life where it's like I I realize, man, if I don't grow here, none of this is going to make sense. And that's the point. We need to add to our faith. We need to persevere. We need to grow in character so that faith, I hope rather, can surface again. So for those of you that may be, hey, I'm waiting for hope to act. It doesn't work that way. We need to persevere. We need to act. We need to do as God's calling us, step out on faith. Characters change and we can see things slightly different and then hope surface. This is what scripture says. So as I close here, the last thing we see Peter saying, Peter says, you know, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, Peter, although he had the highs, he had the lows, but he's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make sure that this calling that God has extended to me, that I'm confirmed that on the day I make it. And what he's doing here in this verses I just read, Peter is really reiterating what he just said about adding to our faith. But he puts it in in different words to point us to our ultimate motivation. You know, the why we strive, the why we make effort. Again, you don't decide to take Jesus as, on as Lord of your life just to attend church. We don't do that. There's an ultimate reason. There's, there's a motivation there. And I know some people says, well, if, if, if your motivation is to make it to heaven, then that's, that's wrong motivation. That's not what the Bible teaches. The, you know, all over the place, we see Jesus trying to motivate people with the fact that one day we won't just be limited in this way in our connection with God, but we'll be in heaven, be able to see Him face-to-face. And that's the ultimate motivation that we ought to have. You know, is being with God your ultimate motivation this morning? Is it? Because, you know, when that's not the motive, when the unexpected happens... It trips us up. You know, in answer to that question, you know, it is being with God your ultimate motivation? The answer to that, if we're honest, we can say, and I know I've had to really take hold of this in my life, that there is time it hasn't been pure motivation. And what I'm relying on is really letting God prune that. Help me when the motivation is—God will do that as well. When the motivation is wrong— He allows us to go through situations so that he can kind of pull that off, take the scale off of that. So you and I can get to a point where it's like, look, being with you is all I want. You know, as the psalmist says, you know, uh, what is there in life, in heaven and earth, if if it's not that I want, if it's not being with you? But that's really what God allows to happen in our lives sometimes. You know, is God working on your motives right now? Maybe it's uh, taking that into consideration as far as dealing with where you're at in life. Is that what God's doing? You know, in Luke chapter 10, verse 18 to 20, Jesus, in talking to the apostles, his disciples, rather, that he sent out, he sent them out two by two. And they were able to do some great things. And they came back. They were excited. And they were like, man, we saw the demons just run when we did what you called us to do. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, however, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, this is what Jesus taught. And Peter must have been around, even if he wasn't one of the 72 at the time. But he was around Jesus. And he he, he would hear this, what Jesus taught. So it's not about having the power to drive out demons. Because there's times you don't feel powerful. You feel less than powerful. And there are times where the outcomes are not as favorable as you would hope that they they would be. Things don't happen the way that you would want them to, to, to happen. So but what Jesus is saying, but you can always find joy in the fact that you're bound for heaven. Your name is written in the book of life. And that... Really what Peter is saying, make every effort to make your calling, right? Make sure that it's confirmed, that it's sure, your election, that it's sure. And that one day you will be with God in heaven. Brothers, sisters, and friends, as uh, I end life, I am convinced there's a reason why he's writing this in the last letter he's written, knowing that he's about to die at some point soon that he mentioned it as many times as he has because he does believe or he believed rather that God has set us up to win to be with him ultimately but it won't happen unless we're making every effort we're making every effort to add to our faith developing faith was just the beginning hopefully that's not news to you if you if you've been a Christian lo- longer than two years right hopefully you know that then that's just the beginning there you know it's It's life to the full, baby. And God expects us to respond in a godly way. But not only adding to our faith, but making every effort to make our calling and our election sure. Where our motives and what we're striving for, where we want to go, is to ultimately be with God. This is great to have the Spirit live in us here on earth, but so much could be better, right? So much could be better to be with God in person. To see his face, to ask him the questions that are burning on your hearts, to not be able to, d- to not have to deal with some of the heartache, some of the pain, some of the issues that we deal with. But we've got to make every effort for that to happen. Love you all and thank you for the opportunity. Actually, actually, if we can